Welcome to Cypherspeak, Artifacts, Ciphers, and Podities. Love is in the air today. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I am here today with Darcy, who is a wistful jet-set sophisticate who wants a different kind of fantasy heartbreaker. <laughs> and I'm here with my co-host, Troy, who is a cuddly bear who goes, tee when you push his belly. <laughs> and this is our special uh, love and sex and ciphers episode of Cypher Speak. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, welcome, everyone. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, love and sex and ciphers and and see what happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a little bit after Valentine's Day when this will be coming out, but we kind of just want to talk about the kinds of stories and character arcs that that you can tell with some of these sort of, I guess, emotions or, or things in your game. Um, you know, uh, we're all probably familiar with things like vengeance and combat and conflict. Um, you know, we're, we're very comfortable with those. We've, we've all experienced that likely in role-playing games, uh, or in video games or in movies, but, uh, you know, we are, mostly less comfortable with uh, things like romance and sex uh, in our games and in our media. Absolutely. So one of the supplements for Numenera, one of the early glimmers is a uh, love and sex in the ninth world by Shauna Germain. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of the few supplements in RPGs full stop that deals with these themes um, and uh, and gives you GM advice on how to handle them and gives you specific setting grounded um, ideas for how these themes and how these activities and desires might be reflected in the ninth world. Um, so it's a really cool supplement and that we're not really going to rehash it in this episode. I think we're just going to try to build on it in other ways that you might want to uh, bring it into your cipher system games, um, how you might want to reflect it in your cipher system worlds, um, and just uh, kind of explore these themes that that even we don't uh, tend to explore a ton on this podcast yet. So uh, this is not going to be, you know, a full coverage of these enormous topics. <laughs> um, and uh, I think maybe we want to start off with saying that uh, these are themes that you don't have to include in any of your RPGs, but they are part of the human experience, um, at least some humans' experiences. Um, there are, of course, uh, aromantic and asexual people and all sorts of things that, um, you know, give spectra to these uh, these ideas. So before we even dive into anything, these are topics that as a society, we might be uncomfortable with as people we might have particular experiences with. So, you know, talk to your fellow players, um, get by and get consent, talk about this very uh, directly and feel free to, you know, be aware that you might want to back off of this even when you uh, have gotten consent to dive into some of these themes because it might go places where you don't expect, um, just like violence can, right? So, yeah. Um, that's that's our little uh, warning about uh, safety, and there's lots of other great tools to help you um, implement safety at your table with respect to these ideas. But we're going to still talk about some specifics um, about Cypher and about the settings. So um, I'm really excited to do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Darcy is, uh, has been pining uh, to <laughs> do this episode for quite some time, and it is finally here. So uh, I will let her uh, kick us off with... Uh, why why should we bother adding this to our games if it's just something that might make us uncomfortable? Why go through the trouble? 
Yeah. So lots of people have different reasons. I wanted to share two quick um, instances where it came up in games that I've gotten to play and was really powerful to me. Um, so one was a game of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. We were playing Curse of Strahd and I was playing Grimmerim, a moody half-orc warlock who made a bad deal with a patron and was looking <laughs> to get out of it. Um, and over the course of this kind of short campaign that we knew had a defined endpoint, um, of course, the big confrontation with Strahd, et cetera, um, that character, uh, you know, I didn't really know why he was an outcast. I knew that it had something to do with, um, you know, I fell in love with the wrong person and and uh, had gotten myself outcast. But over the course of that campaign, we kind of did a flashback scene where I discovered what it was, what kind of love uh experience they had that that let them um that got them cast out and further there was another pc at the table who my character was sort of getting closer to as a friend and then getting closer to kind of romantically um which all just kind of emerged out of um this character seeking advice and comfort in this other character um and the player and i would would have kind of meta conversations about it like hey was that flirty <laughs> was that not flirty <laughs> is our char- our characters kind of into each other so we had like some really good meta conversations that made it so that it was a safe place for me to sort of explore in dialogue because i knew the other player was down with it so um that was really really wild and i think what i took away from that was that it gave my character a really big arc um you know growing to love someone and growing to change and uh, take on some of their values is a way for your character to grow and change. And so it was really cool to see that happen over the campaign. So I think um, love and sex are uh, places where your character can start to engage in these things and um, possibly grow as a result of it. Um, And just as a funny sort of aside, like one of my, another way that I've brought love and sex into one of my games is my Planescape one shot of uh, AD&D second edition uh, the whole pitch of the adventure is that you're helping out a guy who's about to get married. This halfling is trying to um, obtain a a proper wedding pr- uh, gift to his betrothed, and he hires the parties to go get uh, ice flowers from Kenya, where hell literally freezes over. And so the the adventure always ends with a big wedding. So I think love and sex can also give you these cool uh, cultural, societal uh, moments or set pieces that you can engage with. Um, even without really diving deep into the emotion of it, right? They give you cool story opportunities. What about you, Troy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, one that comes to mind as you were kind of talking through that second one is is also one that's kind of wacky and fun. Um, it's one of the best like intros to a convention game that I think I've ever been a part of. And I was a player in, uh, in this particular game, but I have since co-opted it and used it myself in a couple of occasions. But basically, uh, it was a Firefly game. All the characters are sitting around a like a bar or whatever in the the spaceport hub. A woman, you know, comes into the door, comes through the door in a huff with like a couple of big tough bodyguards behind her. She's obviously like one of the the rich uh, people from the Firefly universe. She scans the room and she points at one of the player characters and says. It's him. He's the one that got me pregnant. And uh, and uh, then the two toughs come over and like, you need to come with us. Uh, and basically it's uh, it's becomes a story of, uh, you know, framed and, you know, do they go through with the marriage to, to save her honor or do they hunt down the actual, uh, 
you know, perpetrator, uh, you know, because as I, like I said, I've, I've kind of run the scenario a couple of times. Sometimes she becomes actually smitten with the player. Ooh, um, that's really cool. You know, so, uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of opportunities for ways that that one can go, yeah. but it definitely kind of starts off with a, with a bang of, you mm-hmm. know, he's the one, he's who got me pregnant. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, so that's that's definitely a fun one um, that I'd like to do. Uh, another one uh, from a long time ago, uh, probably probably over fifteen years ago. I was a player in a campaign, and I was neither the player nor the GM. I was just another player, kind of witnessing this happen. Uh, we, as a group of adventurers, came uh, across a village. And during the course of, of our time there, one of the other player characters uh, kind of was growing close to uh, like one of the, the chieftain's daughters or whatever, the mayor's daughters. I don't remember exactly what, uh, what the leader of that village was called. And, and we ended up like helping save the village from, you know, some invaders and, and all this stuff. And, and their relationship kind of progressed and they were in love and, um, you know, they had talked about, you know, maybe we should get married, et cetera. Um, and she, you know, was a little like, I guess, odd about it. Uh, and then because as it turned out, um, so as this player had kind of fallen in love with this, uh, you know, a girl from the village, uh, she was set to be uh, a human sacrifice uh, to their gods because she was like the eldest daughter of the village elder and they have to like sacrifice somebody every so many years or something like that, right? So it became this whole story of do we like, because she you know, she kind of knew that this was her fate, um, you know, so it, it kind of became a, a little bit of a, a heart wrenching story of, uh, you know, like love that can never truly be, I guess, mm-hmm. um, because she has this, uh, you know, fate in life that, that she, and, and she, it wasn't like she was being forced to go through with it. Right. It was her kind of village's yeah. way and her choice, you know, cause we basically like the player character talked to her and was like, do you know we can take you away from here and she's like no i couldn't do that because then our village would be destroyed because the gods would be displeased or or, mm. or whatnot so um so that was a really um kind of uh heart-wrenching story around you know kind of romance uh between two characters yeah i like that um i think when one of the things i get out of these is uh is w- especially when it's a character engaging in some of these themes that that a player is is uh, portraying, you know, it gives you a moment to step into situations that you might not experience otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I'm not going to be falling in love with someone who <laughs> is about to get sacrificed, <laughs> right. but I might maybe I'll fall in love with someone who uh, or I want to understand people who fall in love with someone that they can't be with because of these choices, these different choices that person makes. Right. Like, so that's kind of empathizing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, uh, you fall in love with somebody, but then they're moving away, right? Like across right. the country and it's oh, just yeah. not going to work. Right. I mean, a very real world scenario. For sure. And, uh, one of the things with the, my 5e game, Grimmer Room, uh, he's this half moody, half orc warlock. And the person he's falling in love with is this, uh, other male, uh, paladin this evil super evil paladin and i grimmer sort of you know evil but not really committed to it uh, and it was cool to see both of them change a little bit in their values and come to understand each other and both were kind of changed by the experience but also like you know uh 
I know a lot of people who have sort of explored their sexuality, right, through through characters and through mm. gaming, at least in little ways, right? Yeah. And uh, and it was interesting to, you know, I'm a, I'm a bi woman, uh, but, you know, it it would leave me thinking as I left sessions of what, how it was different to be, to be a gay man. (laughs) Right. Uh, So that was really, really fascinating. And I think there's lots of value to that. And, uh, you know, I think you have to be careful with not, not becoming too much uh, embodying these characters, but there's Mm -hmm. lots of better places you can go for sort of safety around um, keeping distance between your own self and the character you're portraying. So maybe I'll include some resources at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's some of the reasons or some of the stories that we can tell with, you know, uh, love, sex, and romance. Um, how does Cypher work with uh, these particular themes? What are some things that we can do in Cypher to kind of really um, emphasize this if we want it to be kind of part of our games? Yeah. So I think there's going to be story advice that might apply anywhere, but. Um, the intersections of where it might meet Cypher mechanically is kind of interesting. So uh, um, I think because Cypher leaves so many, uh, it gives you a lot of tools that it doesn't define down super uh, strongly, like skills, right? Skills are open. Mm -hmm. Um, So just as in an adventure game, you have the opportunity to explore all kinds of adventure skills that you might think up that are relevant to the stories you're telling, um, you can maybe use skills to uh, reflect the maybe love and sex and romance themes that you might be engaging with. So um, one example I have was when uh, I had a friend run a Mundania game for me, right? A kind of sitcom style uh, game. And we, I created a character who was a never been kissed as the descriptor. Uh, Her type was barista and her focus was uh, who uh, rallies the community. Uh, So the never been kissed descriptor uh, gives you, um, the ability knows in a book plus two to intellect, <laughs> um, at least in her case, an inability uh, for all tasks relating to your own romantic interactions. Very charming. Uh, so I think that's a, a big one that I could lean into as hard as I wanted to. Um, I was trained in having a lot of platonic relationships. So anytime that might come up, I sort of have an asset if I needed to find somebody who's a platonic friend of this or that uh, and trained uh training in shoulder to cry on, which is helping others to successfully navigate romantic relationships. Um, so yeah, these, this is sort of a descriptor we sort of came up with off the, off the cuff, but you know, I think especially having the player who wanted to create, to play that character come up with this, you know, I knew that these were things I wanted to do in the game. Mm-hmm. And so I can kind of build that into the skill set. Yeah. That's, that's really one of the beauties of, kind of the way that you guys did that Mundania game Mm -hmm. that you defined all of your kind of descriptors and types and foci individually, because I think that it really, you know, from a GM's perspective, the player is basically telling you exactly the kind of stories that they want this character to be involved in. Yeah, Right. Totally. I mean, so, so that is really cool. Like, like looking at that, that way but you know just in general from a skills perspective absolutely all of those things you you could just take some of that stuff as skills in any game that you're playing you know mm-hmm. like i you know i'm trained in having platonic relationships so i'm really good at being friends with people you know mm-hmm. sure fine great you know like that's something that absolutely you could just take you know 
for yourself. So that, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you think it, can you think of any other kind of skills or types of skills you might want to bring into with, with these themes? Um, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, there's a couple that come to mind, um, some things that kind of come actually like from gumshoe, right? Like gumshoe has a flirting skill, Oh, um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, Cute. like, you know, you're, you're good at flirting, right? Cause super spies or spies, you know, they need to get information. Um, and sometimes flirting is the way that you get that information. Um, but that can obviously lead to, you know, entanglements. Um, you know, so yeah, flirting is, I think a a skill that you could, uh, put into, uh, the cipher system very easily. Um, you know, in reality, depending on how far you, you want to take it, um, if you wanted to subdivide it, right, you could go from flirting, you could talk about like seduction, mm. um, you know, and, and skills like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, or, you know, matchmaking, if you wanted to be sure. influencing yeah. the, the um, relationships of other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that, yeah. Think about like that one. That one could be like super fun, you know, like from a matchmaking perspective, like you could just be hooking up NPCs together all the time, all over the place. <laughs> that would be really fun. <laughs> awesome. So I think there's a lot to be done with skills uh-huh, that sure. we won't touch on here, but uh, what about um, another mechanic in Cypher? Um, a little thing we like to call... GM intrusions. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, we we love using GM intrusions all over the place. So why should love and sex be any different? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's almost unlimited ways that you can use GM intrusions in this way. But, you know, like one is like romance and sexual attraction where it might not be expected. Um, this is something where you definitely have to like kind of explore the, and know boundaries a little bit, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. be too pushy about it, right? right. You know, like um, I, I don't know that I would like GM anyone having like a, a stalker or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, hey, you know, that girl or guy seems to be into you uh, you know, like they're giving you little, little winks or, you know, keep looking over mm-hmm. at our table or whatever and let the player decide if they want to do something about that. And, you know, Hey, maybe if they don't do it, maybe they're, there's somebody who like feels offended and they, they pick a fight later or something like right. that, you know, I mean, so there's still a consequence to it, but, but don't, you know, push the, the romance part too far. Um, definitely kind of let your you know, players make a decision on it. Um, you know, there's, and there's all kinds of other things like I kind of going back to our player with maybe uh, who is skilled at seduction, you know, maybe they, uh, you know, have seduced somebody and are, are getting, getting what they want. And the GM intrusion is, uh, the person's, uh, a partner busts in on them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. You know, like, um, that can obviously be something that, you know, uh, leads to something more like escalates the situation in a different direction. Yeah. Um, so how I might advice I might have for this is generally that, you know, we have these GM intrusions affect NPCs in the world 
in how they're viewing the player character, mm-hmm. um, not saying GM intrusion. Now you're in love with this NPC, yes, right? Absolutely. We never want to take away that agency. So the, it's up to the player. You know, the closest I might go, um, if it's the right player, would be to say, you know, if a player has been kind of playing up that um, their character is. Uh, you know, really interested in uh, flirting and romance and stuff. Um, I might describe, I might GM intrude that while they're trying to negotiate this deal, um, someone beautifully attractive to this person uh, walks in the room, is distractingly attractive. And I might have the player say, what about them, you know, uh, intrigues you? Um, and so they can lean into it or lean away from it. Um, I would always keep that in the player's um, uh, agency, but I think I know some players who would just love that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. And and that's the thing. I mean, presenting it to the players so that they have that ability to to really grab it and run with it or mm-hmm. kind of like shy away from it will will be all of the indication you need, whether that's something that they are interested in you pushing on or if they want you to just stay completely away from it. Yeah, Um one other thing I do like to do is bring in backstory when it comes to love and sex, right? Sure. Like you may be on an adventure and there's really no breathing room for, you know, falling in love with NPCs because you're running away every session. But I, I love bringing in, you know, an important NPC to your history, you know, walks in the room uh, and I, and asking the player, like, is this someone you were in love with? Is this a, is this a, jilted lover is this a is this a family member right like i usually like to give them options so they had they see that the the dealing with romance themes is on the table but also uh leaning away from that is on the table so that would be my recommendation unless they've you know put the jilted lover directly in their backstory oh, yeah. then it's fair and then game. bring them up yeah, then, then <laughs> here they come yeah exactly warning to all my players uh excellent so um we talked about skills we talked about gm intrusions um what about like mechanical influences of love and sex, right? Um, you know, these are aspects that can be part of a fulfilling human experience mm-hmm. that we might be dealing with. Um, how could we think about assets in, rela- in relation to this, right? How can we bring in that, that in mechanically? Yeah. Uh, again, um, probably cause it's what I'm running right now, but I'll, I'll lean into gumshoe on this a yeah. little bit. Uh, right. One of the things in gumshoe or sorry, and Knights black agents, I think it's a Knights black agent specific item is that every character has a solace, mm. right? They have someone, um, it can be something as well, but, um, you know, like, generally it's somebody who is very close to you uh, that they can kind of go to for, you know, to, to really from, from that game's perspective, kind of get their sanity back, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and help kind of bring them back into the real world and out of super spies and vampires a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I absolutely love this idea from a cipher perspective that, you know, hey, if you can go, you know, to to the person that, that you're involved with or, um, you know, somebody who, you know, emotionally kind of fulfills, you know, some needs, maybe that gives you, a, you know, an asset to, you know, like roles for a period of time or your next role or something, you know, because you are confident or you're... Um, you know, just so grounded or whatever, or feeling so comfortable, you know, that you're really in that right mind space. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and the Numenera Love and Sex uh, Glimmer talks a little bit about this as well, about ways that you might uh, represent having meaningful time um, engaging in romance or sex, good sex with somebody. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really fun. Um, I was, yeah, thinking about them. I think you could embody them as uh, short-term assets mm-hmm. or maybe even like a subtle cipher, right? Oh, interesting. Um, like, I, I was imagining, you know, in a movie or something, uh, you know, the the soldiers on the battlefield and he's looking out across, uh, you know, a really dangerous situation. He pulls out a locket, right, of uh-huh. his like loved one. That could, you could represent that as kind of a subtle cipher of, you know, I'm going to think on the, the loved one I'm fighting for and gain, you know, be, you know, maybe ha- have a, uh, you know, plus have my next task eased by three steps as I think about, you know, this person I want to come back to. Um, so I think subtle ciphers are a place that I'm, I'd be really interested in exploring this. Um, yeah. And just like you said, with um, uh, Trail of Cthulhu, there's the the uh, gumshoe one-to-one has a lot of little um, kind of, I forget what they call them, like assets and hindrances or something sure. like that. Um, and they're basically they kind of act like little ciphers almost, little subtle <laughs> ciphers where, you know, you have, because of a story event, you have this uh, bit of potential you can draw on. And it's it's really tied to the, you know, where a lot of subtle ciphers can be uh, a little more generic. I like the idea of giving one out that's so custom, right? It's It's you. It's because of that great dance you shared with that you know, with the princess at the ball and you're just riding high on it for days. And at some point you kind of cash it in. Yeah. Um, so I strongly encourage playing around with those mechanics. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a really, really good idea. Um, so yeah, those are some of, uh, some of our ideas and one of them that will be kind of coming up, I imagine if, uh, if it follows anything like some of the invisible sun, uh, arcs is, uh, the new cipher uh, rule book is getting character arcs. May there be a romance arc? Ooh, there could be. I don't <laughs> see why there shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, this is if you if you want to use arcs. Again, this is a very clear way for players to signal that this is something that they're interested yeah. in, right? Like if if you have you know to a player and an NPC or two players or whatever um, that kind of you know maybe hint at the start of a a romantic relationship. And then after the session, one of the players is like, uh, yeah, I want to start the romance arc. Very clear (laughs) signal, right? That that's, that they want more of that. Absolutely. And so how that would mechanically affect your game is that you'd be giving out XP, presumably if it works like it does invisible sun, Mm -hmm. which I don't know. Um, you'd be letting characters sort of generate maybe XP or something to, advance their character as they pursued these character arcs. Yep, absolutely. So, so character arcs around these kind of themes, uh, will hopefully be coming in the yeah. cypher system rulebook. And even if they don't, uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure there is one, it, cause there's one like that's fall in love or something like that in oh, invisible yeah. sun, I believe there's several. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can always just steal it from there if nothing else. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so I think we should veer away a little bit about mechanics. I think we've explored some of that and talk about kind of story opportunities for love and sex, um, and give you some ideas that we had about ways these themes might come into play for the different cipher system worlds or settings. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
If you take a look, which we strongly recommend, at the Numenera Love and Sex PDF, there are so many options. Yeah. Um, you know, from NPCs being motivated by it, uh, like rituals and holidays involving it, um, you know, disease potentially being passed around um, or prevented, maybe, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, matchmaking, various quests, Numenera that have to do specifically with it, all kinds of things um, kind of from a Numenera perspective are covered in that PDF. So we're not going to dive too much into Numenera because there are tons of ideas in that PDF, but some of the other settings don't have, uh, you know, that kind of uh, glimmer available. So we'll share a few ideas on how to get that into those games. Yeah. So one that popped into mind with the strange is, of course, that you have all these recursions that, uh, you know, kind of perfectly reflect my idea that there are all these stories, you know, and my wish that there are all these stories that deal with adventure and exploration and, and, uh, intrigue, you know, all those stories exist. And so those are creating recursions in the strange, these, mm -hmm. um, you know, worlds birthed by fiction, right? Yep. Uh, there's a huge industry creating romance novels and erotica and, um, you know, goodness, archive of our own, right. All the fan fiction that exists. Um, there's love and sex themes, you know, hugely populated through there. So uh, I think one way to reflect this in a game of The Strange might be that uh, they, the players get to explore a recursion that's birthed from some kind of uh, romance uh, setting or or possibly erotica setting. And they, you know, maybe they're going to get uh, ciphers from there or in meeting characters who, they, who are there. Uh, or goodness knows, uh, you know, a, a player could, could have their character... Um, be trying to to woo someone and, and go get advice from a <laughs> yeah, great matchmaker yeah. from a, from fiction, you know, yeah. their private little uh, love hotline <laughs> they could go dial. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking that you could do with the strange, uh, if you wanted to tell maybe a little bit of a longer term campaign, and this might be something that would, at points, maybe involve some like invisible sun like development mode but is mm. i could see that you know the characters are jumping from recursion to recursion and they're going to these different places um but what happens when they fall for someone from a recursion that doesn't yeah. have a spark Ugh. right you know, so they're maybe going back and visiting them and that's something that they're doing in the, their off time, kind of cultivating that relationship. And does it end with, you know, like the the person who didn't have the spark maybe gaining the spark, right? Mm -hmm. And you can have kind of like a, a live happily ever after moment because they become aware of the strange and then they can you know, travel together, uh, to these places or does the person who started with the spark just decide to no longer travel the strange and just settle down in this recursion oh. and, and never leave there. Right. You know, like I, I think you can tell some stories around that. I'm definitely thinking of some sci-fi, uh, like Star Trek specifically, mm -hmm. Yes, both in original Star Trek and in, um, at TNG, I remember an episode with Riker, you know, they're in the holodeck, right? Uh, and there's the AI can create incredibly advanced seeming NPCs to interact with. <laughs> yeah. And I think 
at some point, um, being one hair's breadth away from having the spark, uh, you know, that that line gets really complicated yeah. where, you know, maybe they, they are intelligent to, to sentient enough to, to process or, uh, reliably appear to be processing love and things like that. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe the character is falling in love with them and, and wants to go seek out a way to, uh, give them the spark. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then will things change when they have the spark uh, yes. and are able to have full, uh, <laughs> capacity to contemplate whether they want to fall in love with this person or not. So I just think, oh, the story potential there is great. But you're totally right. I think this lends itself to kind of development mode play because, you know, you want to have, I think romance does really well when you get to have a couple, when you get to see that arc grow, right? You know, the initial interest, the growing interest, seeing if they're interested in you. There's kind of these steps that you want to see love and romance uh, engage in. And so I think development mode's a great way to uh, do that. And so... Uh, we'll have to see if Cypher System, the new rule book, will will talk about ways to do that with the Cypher System. But otherwise, I think the rules involving Invisible Sun are are lovely. Yes. And I think we've talked a little bit about the Sooth deck and ways you could uh, emulate that with, with Numenera and other settings. Yep, absolutely. So uh, moving on from The Strange, the next one that we're going to talk about is Predation. So who do you want to see fall in love in Predation, Darcy? dinosaurs <laughs> i want them to be you know uh nala and simba and being so cute being cute animals uh getting together i just think that's very charming uh, especially since a lot of these uh dinosaurs are, are pretty intelligent and so it's uh it's even more cute and romantic uh so and i love the idea of you know two two characters in predation npcs or pcs who's you know dinosaurs are falling in love and then they fall in love there's just all these tropes <laughs> that you can really lean into that i find very charming uh right. so i love that I, I mean you know there's great story potential to mm -hmm. you know your your pet wants to mate with this other pet or there's a this is the the last two of this particular subspecies uh do you do you let them uh have have a, an offspring so um i think that's just very charming and hilarious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing that predation does is I think it actually uh, lends itself very well because of all the factions mm -hmm. to a, a kind of a Romeo and Juliet yeah. type of scenario, right? You know, um, falling in love with with somebody from one side or the other of, of the coin there yeah. in, uh, in that world. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what about Gods of the Fall? How can we play with this? Um, you know, I, I think that at Gods of the Fall, uh, obviously, if you if your God is, you know, has a domain of love or sex or something like that, um, you know, that might be way, you know, an obvious place where you can kind of maybe, you know, just kind of plays into the game then naturally right maybe they're yeah they are like that matchmaker right that we talked about right like going mm -hmm. around making npcs you know fall in love they're they're basically they cupid, cupid. <laughs> <Yep>. yeah <laughs> um but I, I think one of the other ways that's interesting as you get to kind of higher levels in gods in the fall is if you're if you are a god of you know love or sex or romance or whatever and what what is your worships like in that case. Yeah. Uh, and, and what do people go to you for? How do they, how do they 
what rituals do they perform to to show you worship, right? I, I just think there's lots of great real world examples and and examples that you can come up with for um, <laughs> the the way that young lovers might you know put flowers on your your altar in hopes that they'll they'll stay together. Um, you know, maybe you are the god of maybe they uh, anytime they have a fight, right? Two lovers having a fight will come place strange stones uh, and throw it into the river while saying something with your name on it, right? And so they're getting rid of the bad emotional romantic energy. Uh, I just think there's lots of fun you can have coming up with rituals and, and uh, rites that people might uh, undertake in your honor as, as part of these <laughs> domains. I think that's so cool. Absolutely. If, yeah. I lots of lots of story opportunities there. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so what do you think about unmasked? What, what, uh, what can we do in unmasked? Well, they're hormonal teenagers, Troy. <laughs> I'm sure love and sex and romance will never cross their minds. No, no. Teenagers never think, I mean, maybe teenage girls, teenage, I never did as a teenage boy. <laughs> uh, so I think love and lust and romance all gets really confusing when you're a mm. teen and maybe when you're not a teen too. Um, so I think this is something that you uh, can play into if you want to in, in unmasked in a big way. Um, I think look at, look to any sort of teen drama show and it'll give you lots of story opportunities of, of what might be happening or what, uh, you know, what their, what their little high school life, uh, might be like as they're, um, navigating their real world life and their mask, uh, powered life. So, um, th there's, those opportunities are there, but I guess I'm really curious about how do you, how might these themes play out in something like your mask form? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it is interesting to, to say like when your mask kind of takes over, what, how, how does that change? You know, are you, you know, completely different, you know, or, you know, it can even look at like a, like a Superman Clark Kent scenario, right? Like, mm. I mean, he realizes he's the same, right? And is kind of always in love with Lois Lane, but Lois yeah. Lane is not really in love with Clark Kent for right. quite a while. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, there's a lot of dark places that this tends to get taken mm. in some teen supers that I've seen. So I would definitely be wary of that and uh, definitely talk to your players if these are themes, if you want to take it to a darker way. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of specifically of things like uh, the TV show Misfits has a bunch of teens who are, you know, early 20 somethings who get, you know, suddenly super powered. And one of them has the superpower or super curse of anyone she touches is like falls super in love with her slash in lust with her. And it's really uh, very discomforting to her. And, you know, it's this whole emotional, I can't trust anyone to right. actually love me. Um, Jessica Jones has a villain who kind of mind controls people and sort of turns people to adore him. So that can be a really great villain trait um, if you want to mm. play with those themes. But I think, you know, that can get really dark really fast. So uh, big, big old warning here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or you can keep it in a really light and funny way of uh, mismatched teen crushes and stuff yep. that I think uh, it, it's really built for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so yeah, um, we're definitely interested to hear if you guys have any story ideas uh, to use in various cipher games uh, or games in general of how you would kind of work some of these things uh, in. 
Um, we have a couple pieces of uh, general advice. Um, I'll start with one, and that is if you're if you're interested in exploring these themes, but you're not quite sure or quite sure how to start, um, take a look or think about doing it in small groups to start with. Like if you normally have a gaming group of five or six players, um, can you do it? Can you do a game with maybe two players or even do like a one-on-one type game like Starcrossed? Mm. Um, if you want to try to explore some of these things and just see how they feel to you, right? Like, are, are you comfortable talking about some of these themes, you know, with another person? And then, you know, if you are, then you can be like, oh, okay. Like, I think I could like run this or, or whatever, you know, or I can participate in this. So, so if you have some, some discomfort there, you know, that might be a good way to kind of ease yourself in rather than at a table with six people. I think that's great advice. Um, yeah, there are games like Starcrossed. Um, Emily Careboss has the romance trilogy mm-hmm. of RPGs that deal with this specifically. Um, these, you know, all of these themes. So I think playing some of those games, um, which do tend to have smaller group sizes, yep. um, might be a great way to sort of ease yourself in. That's a great advice. Absolutely. Um, one thing I might keep in mind when you're dealing with these themes or weaving them into your setting and the NPCs you create or the PCs you create. Um, is thinking about representation. So if you are uh, portraying a world that that uh, is inclusive and inviting and diverse, um, as our own world is, uh, then you want to make sure you're not defaulting to like, you know, uh, your own sexual orientation and your own mm. people you think of. Um, so one thing I like to do is I, I tend to try to reflect over my session after the fact um, and be like, okay, you know, did I, did I only portray men this time? Did I only portray women? Did I include any (laughs) non-binary folks? You know, did I include any same sex couples or or other kinds of queer relationships that I want to be portraying? And so I think I just try to check in with myself at the end of sessions to, to make sure that I'm uh, showcasing the kind of diversity that I suspect to actually be in the world, you know, poly relationships. Um, Our own world is full of diversity and uh, I like, you know, in my love of uh, RPG settings, I want that diversity to be there too. So um, that can be, you know, good to check in on. Yep, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Um, it, it, we can never have enough diversity and representation in our games. You know, I don't <laughs> yeah. think. Um, so, yeah. And then the last thing, which we've kind of talked about, I think, throughout today, but just to, you know, kind of final reminder, explicitly state it, make sure that you have buy-in from your table. Um, you know, like it, it, it's not bad to, to upfront when, if you're setting up a campaign, say, Hey, how do people feel about romantic entanglements or how yeah. do people feel about, you know, sex in this game? Um, you know, like, like sex, for instance, like, you know, the actual, you know, kind of act of sex, I would say oftentimes is something that you just veil in a game, right? Right. You know, it's like, yes. The camera fades (laughs) on the door closing. Yeah. The, yeah. The camera fades as, as the, as the door closes or as you walk in and, you know, take off your suit coat or whatever, Ah, you know, um, you know, which is totally fine, you know, but make sure that, you know, you kind of have some buy-in that, yeah, like, yeah, we don't care if there's sex, but like, we don't need to like, 
erotically describe it in our, right. you know, at our table. Or maybe some people, you know, are like, yeah, we want some of that, you know, depending on what the scenes are like to be part of our table, right? You right. Know? So, I mean, kind of make sure that you know, if especially if you know that you want to pull these things in either at the beginning or if you say, oh, I think that there's going to be an opportunity for this coming up, just talk about it and say, you don't have to like spill like, hey, I think that Darcy, I'm going to have your character, you know, like have somebody crushing on them. Are you cool with that? <laughs> you know, like you don't have to get that explicit to like spoil whatever the story is, but say, hey, you know, what do you think, Darcy, if we introduce some romance into this game? What do you, right. what do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, you feel it out. And if they say, well, I kind of want to know the details, then, you know, it's still fun to see how it plays out in play mm -hmm, in case they sure. want to know what's happening. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. So get table buy-in and keep checking in. It yep. won't ruin the magic. Yep. Uh, you'll have a lot of fun and be re more relaxed into it when you do. Yep. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I'm sure you all have more advice for us and I want to hear it because this is a topic I really, really love. Uh, <laughs> of course, I, I love love. <laughs> I love love. Yeah. Uh, so now uh, as we move on to our kind of potties section of the show, uh, the first thing we're going to do is we are going to shout out to another misdirected Mark podcast. Uh, we love our misdirected Mark friends. And uh, this week it is Down with D&D. &D. Uh, Chris and the Mad Wizard Merwin dish about everything D&D &D with a focus on the brand and the newest edition of the world's most popular tabletop RPG. So if you are interested in uh, some D&D &D stuff, they often have awesome, awesome content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my potity this week, uh, staying in the role-playing game realm, uh, is a little game about big monsters by mm -hmm. uh, the big monster himself, Jim McClure. Uh, it is called The Reach of Titan. Uh, for those of you that know or have followed Jim at all, uh, I think he's been talking about this game for... Oh, so many years. So many years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh so i know that this is you know kind of like his a project that is very close to him that he's been working on for a, for a long time um and so i'm excited to see this one kind of uh finally come all the way to uh reality um and i can't wait uh for it to come up so uh, i'm really excited for reach a titan because who doesn't like big Yay. monsters Big monsters. It looks really cool. Uh, excellent. So yes, check that link in the show notes for sure. Um, so my potty this week is uh, a really cool adventure written for the new um, Savage Worlds uh, rule set called An Unexpected Wedding. Um, this is a great adventure uh, by James Walls um, with some, some other fantastic cipher folks who did the... Uh, the layout and um, other kinds of design on it, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to get the exact name so I don't mess it up, but um, it is part of the new, uh, it is the very first release through the Savage World Adventure Guild. Um, and it is a celebratory adventure with a fiendish twist. Um, <laughs> so it is a, uh, a uh, when one of your player characters is ready to tie the knot and it's up to the rest of your adventuring party to plan the perfect day, um, it has a randomly generated nuptial inspired romp uh, and it is uh, just delightful. So it's kind of improvisational. It's zany. It's got really cool art um, and it's written by our own James Walls, who is uh, a fabulous uh, GM and uh, 
and this is going to be well worth checking out. So check out An Unexpected Wedding. Absolutely. That that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, if you want to hit us up with any of your own uh, romantic entanglements, uh, <laughs> feel free to uh, tweet them at us at CypherSpeakPod on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have longer love notes uh, to Cypher that you need to send us, um, please email us at cypherspeakpod at gmail.com. Um, and you can, of course, uh, come check out our episodes uh, and leave comments in the Misdirected Mark uh, website. And uh, we always really appreciate when people um, subscribe and rate us on iTunes um, and help other people find and fall in love with, we hope, uh, this show and Cypher in general. So thank you, everybody who's helped us uh, so far and is listening to our our little Cypher speak love. Yes, we absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Darcy, give me your best uh, sultry hello. Well, I do it best when I'm sick, so I'm afraid I can only do so well right now. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Cypherspeak is a member of the Misdirected Mark podcast network, the media arm of Encoded Designs. 